0: Hey, everyone, and thank you for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Fady, CEO of Clockwork, an fp a platform that's raised nearly $3 million in funding. Fadie, thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we begin talking about what you're building, can we just start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in Jordan, born in Amman, Jordan, raised in St. Louis, and I'm a finance guy. Went and worked for, uh, for Boeing in fp and and strategy for the early half of my Career, but I've been an entrepreneur since a kid. I started my first company literally when I was 11 years old. Grew up in my dad's restaurants that he owned. He owned a couple of them in St. Louis. And so, always been around the entrepreneur. Entrepreneur side, after working at Boeing, started my own outsourced CFO consulting firm, which is essentially where Clockwork got its uh, genesis. I think you're our first guest to
0: ever come on from. Uh, Jordan. Jordan's one of my favorite countries. I went there a couple of years ago and did like a, a six-day road trip just driving around and it was a blast. Do you ever go oh, back? I,
1: yeah, I go back pretty often. My dad's entire family is still there. And so, you know, I absolutely love going back there. It's it's one of those few places that I go back and I get to kind of recenter myself and recenter and get back to really kind of refreshed vacation type. How old were you when you moved? Uh, I was a kid. So, you know, pretty young. So three, three years old when we moved. But always kept going back pretty regularly.
0: Nice. That's awesome. I saw on your LinkedIn, you're a recovering CFO. What's the recovery process been like for you?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's never easy recovering from anything. And, you know, I I think being the CFO of a company, I was the CFO of VC-backed company out of Chicago. And it was by far the most difficult position I've ever had in any company. And, you know, having been the CEO of my own, I would say being the CFO was more difficult because you're just being pushed and pulled in so many different directions and when you have to manage all of that plus what you think is right it's an extremely extremely challenging position and you know once you go through that experience I don't think you ever come out of it the same and that's kind of why I've monikered it you know being a recovering CFO
0: <laughs> nice. Well, it's definitely uh, eye-catching and, and memorable. So I like the uh, the branding play there in the marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Now let's go through just a couple of questions we like to ask to better understand what makes you tick. So first one is, what CEO do you admire the most, and what do you admire about them?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Jeff Bezos, and I know people are completely polarized on him. But the thing that I love about Jeff Bezos yeah. is he had a, he had an investment banking background, started. Amazon, you know, selling books, but it was his kind of forward thinking innovation where initially everyone was like, What the heck are you doing selling books online? Like, no one's going to care about that. But he saw so much bigger and he didn't let all of the noise getting started really affect him and then just kept on moving up and up and and bigger and bigger and bigger and still stayed humble. I'm sure there's a lot of arguments on in recent years, but he stayed humble at the beginning, right? He stayed humble really sticking to his proper vision of what he wanted and what he saw and was relentless in that pursuit. And I admire that a lot and really try and capture that with clockwork. Nice. Yeah, it's such a good call out. And he's definitely become controversial,
0: which some of the yeah. controversy I don't really fully understand, uh, just you know, from my own personal perspective, but... Mm-hmm funny all the people who criticize him are also the people who you know are powered by amazon every day (laughs) i i I don't know anyone who's you know hates him enough to not take advantage of the convenience of everything that amazon has built which is uh, always kind of funny i think
1: yeah yeah i mean there was a one of the famous athletes i think it was one of the guys that won the super bowl or basketball or he goes i had my beliefs before everyone had their opinions and you know, I absolutely love that where only when you get out there and you start doing something really, really powerful and really strong, then everyone has an opinion about it. But, you know, at the beginning, it's, it's always kind of the battle in between the years. <laughs> nice. The battle between the years. I love that. And what about
0: books? Are there any specific books that's had a major impact on you as a founder? And this can be a business book or uh, personal books as well.
1: Yeah, my number one favorite book, and I, I read a ton. I love reading. I think reading is by far one of the most underutilized pieces for any founder, especially. But there's a book called "Winning" by Tim Grover. Tim Grover was Michael Jordan's personal trainer when Michael Jordan was was coming up, and Michael Jordan is the absolute goat. There is no argument about it. I think Michael Jordan is is the greatest that ever did it on the basketball court, and. Tim Grover offers a very unique perspective where Michael Jordan was one of the first people to actually hire a personal trainer in basketball. Everyone else had the team's trainers and that's what they got used to. But Michael Jordan knew he was on a different path and he needed someone that was dedicated solely for him. And that was Tim Grover. And so what Tim Grover does a phenomenal job of in the book is capturing the mindset of what it takes to be great and of the, you know, kind of the once in a lifetime people like Steve Jobs, like Kobe Bryant, like Michael Jordan, like Jeff Bezos. And having that mindset is completely different than anything else you could ever do. Nice. I read his first book. It was called Relentless. I
0: read that yep. year ago and it was awesome. I didn't realize that he has a new book. So thank you. That'll uh, keep me occupied this weekend. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's change gears here a bit and let's talk about Clockwork. So take me back to day one or day zero or in the days leading up to actually launching the company. What was happening? What is that origin story?
1: Yeah. After my career of Boeing, I went into oil and gas consulting and then I launched my own outsourced CFO consulting firm. I was living the pain that Clockwork solves every single day. And I never really sought out to think, oh, one day I'm going to just run a tech company or I'm going to start a tech company. The opportunity with my outsourced CFO consulting firm literally came up out of the main. I was the token finance guy among a bunch of entrepreneurs and they kept asking me for free models. You know, how can I hire this person? Should we fire these people? Should we lay off? How much money should we raise? When should we raise the money? All these different scenarios And I was living in Excel and I was building on all these models that answered what if, what if, what if, what if. And I was like, okay, there has to be a better way for this. There has to be a better, smarter way. And so I initially turned that free advice into a consulting firm and started charging all the entrepreneurs and all the friends that, hey, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. And I tried to find a solution that could automate a bunch of the manual tasks that should be automated you know, they're paying me for my CFO finance mind. And I'm stuck spending the majority of my hours and my time for them in Excel, building these models. And I tried every single tool in the market. You know, it's always funny looking at my competitors, people are always asking, how do you compare to them? It's like, well, I know so much because I was a paying user for the majority of them. And you can tell they weren't built by CFO. You can tell the people that built those software tools were not finance minded. And I really looked at and I said, I have to change this. I have to change this industry. I have to change this market because as a consultant, I can maybe consult for hundreds, maybe thousands of companies if I kept scaling my firm. But as a software, I can affect millions and I can change the way that people really go about running a business. And that's really the true mission of Clockwork. It's making financial planning and analysis accessible for every business. And that was from day one back in 2015 when I first built the V1 of Clockwork all the way up until now where our product is extremely robust. And we have a lot of companies that we're we're doing some pretty phenomenal things with. Yeah, you
0: know, that's one thing from these interviews that I always I've walked away with is, yeah, you know, when it's a founder who's personally experienced the problem and the pain that comes from using the legacy or current solutions, they're really much more of a missionary when it comes yeah. to this, as opposed to a mercenary who's just sitting there looking for a problem to solve, which is what, you know, I think a lot of kind of Silicon Valley does these days with a lot of founders, where you know, they're just looking for a way to build a business but sounds like for you, this is something that was very personal and it was a personal aim that you had yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, 100%. And it's been very personal for me since a kid, right? I grew up in a small business family. I know the troubles of running your own company because I literally saw it firsthand. I've lived it ever since a kid. So it's the culmination of my entire personal and professional experience rolled up in one. And the biggest thing, importance is living the pain versus being a symptom of the pain. And our market right now, forecasting, financial modeling, fp is extremely hot. There's so much investment going into this. There's so many new entrants coming into the space, but they're all here because they think it's an opportunistic time, right? They're throwing their hat in the ring and seeing if they can get a piece of this flavor of the month that seems to be the flavor of the years. And it keeps getting bigger. It keeps getting more significant. And, you know, Clockwork and myself, we're definitely one of the ones that are in this because we know the pain, we know the market, we know the customer, and we're here to stay, right? It's not a, let me get in there and try and exit in a couple of years. This is a company that I want to IPO and make an absolutely massive, massive company with. And that's
0: one thing that I think founders in hot markets have to deal with is just the competitors making a lot of noise. And I've seen mm-hmm. that in other markets where, you know, you'll just see in TechCrunch every other day, you know, some other company raises FU money from Tiger yeah. or you know, and you know, they're yeah. talking about the market opportunity. So how do you, you are just as the entrepreneur and founder behind the company, how do you, you know, keep your mind focused and not have those types of things distract you when it feels like this market really is heating up in there could be some players coming in that
1: are, you know, going to have money to really throw around. Yeah. You know, one of my advisors, I have a phenomenal team of advisors and she, and I'll kind of clean it up. She said, F the noise. (laughs) And that was one of the biggest things that stuck with me where it really is F the noise because it's nothing but noise. And there's always going to be money. There's always going to be more well-funded companies. There's always going to be, more staffed up teams that have hundreds of people doing what you have maybe one or two people doing. But what they can't replicate is the focus of what we know. And I know small businesses. I know companies that, you know, are between one and 25 million in revenue. I know what they are going through. And you can't replicate my experience. And you can't replicate my team's experience. So when you take what I know that's something I don't care if you raise a hundred million dollars, you cannot repeat that. And if I stay focused on doing what I need to do based on what I know and what I've lived for many, many, many years, no one can touch it. And so it really is staying focused and saying F the noise. And is that hard for you to do or did that come naturally? You're like,
0: I hear like, It sounds like, okay, yeah, just, just do that. But then you're like, the next day, the reality hits when you see the news, like, Did you have to train your brain and train your mind to be able to
1: truly say that and and make it real? It's an everyday thing. I mean, it really is an everyday challenge, right? This, and I always say, win the day. That's one of my mantras with my team. I always tell my team, win the day, because if you win the day, then you win the week, you win the week, you win the month, then you win the year. And so it really is a daily reminder for myself. I literally have a whiteboard behind me and on the whiteboard, it says, you're not, F, but says F the noise, right? (laughs) It is a daily challenge that every single morning I wake up and I have to be very present on that day and not thinking of all the other stuff that are trying to knock me off my game. Because all that noise is literally there to knock you off your game. It does not exist to actually move their companies forward. You know, they love to make all this noise. And like you said, raising ridiculous money from Tiger and all those kinds of stuff. It's like, great. Where are they going to be in five years? Are they going to still be around? Probably not. A lot of my competitors that started a couple of years ago, they sold out and sold to larger companies. And now I don't worry about them anymore because they completely sold out and moved on. So really staying focused is an everyday battle and everyday challenge. That's such useful
0: information and insight, I think, for our listeners to have, because I think everyone is dealing with that. So really, really nice there. Now, talk to me about the journey to finding product market fit. And where do you stand there? Are you at complete product market fit right now? You still have a ways to go. How do you think about the state of
1: product market fit today? We're definitely very, very close to having market product fit. I I personally don't think you can say that you actually have market product fit until you have 10 million in ARR. I think, you know, the first million ARR is kind of like, okay, we have something potentially here. But I think when you're at the 10 million ARR mark, 5 million ARR, then you can confidently go around and say, we have something that's repeatable, something that's scalable, something that's structured. For me, I spent four years building the product because of the pain that I lived, but it was not an easy process. When I first started Clockwork, my V1 of Clockwork was me working with my clients and literally asking them, in an FP&A software, would you like it to do your financial modeling? Yes. Would you like it to do your cash flow forecasting? Yes. Would you like it to do it automatically for you? Everyone gave me a resounding, absolutely, I don't want to have to lift a finger to do it. I went back, found a bunch of developers, built it out, spent a bunch of money, spent six months doing it. Just a very simple V1. Came back to those same people that gave me that exact same feedback and said, hey, great, here's the product. What do you think? They're like, well, I need to be able to customize this and customize this and custom. I'm like, you told me that you wanted it automatic. And so it, I learned a very valuable lesson within my first year of Clockwork of trust your feedback, but also trust what you know and trust what you see and always push forward the, why are they giving you that piece of feedback? Why do they want your software to do X, Y, or Z? And ask them. Users are very, very open, especially with early stage companies. And I didn't take enough advantage of that at the beginning, but I focused on building the most perfect product. And in all actuality, I spent too much money, too much time and waited too long to launch clockwork. I could have done it a lot sooner, or a lot cheaper, but you know, this is all part of the journey, right? You always have to learn these lessons to make yourself that much better for the next day. Yeah. It's all a journey. Are there any numbers or metrics you can share that just talk about some of that growth and customer attraction that you're seeing? Yeah, last year was our first full year in the market. And I mean, we 5X revenue, 5X our ARR. And it was awesome to see because, you know, the previous years, while I was still trying to have alpha testers and beta users and, and really get some sort of something that I thought would have been replicated with people that I didn't know right? That was always the biggest accomplishment for me is selling to someone that I didn't know. And, you know, fortunately, as as an outdoor CFO in Chicago, I built up a pretty good network and it was very awesome to have people support me. But I also was always looking for the, I want someone who has no idea who I am, who has no idea what clockwork is to pay to use my software. And that happened a lot last year. And I was very fortunate that we were able to find a very, very good user base and really identify who clockwork is for, right? We tested a bunch of different things and we identified who clockwork was for. And that that came with raising VC money, right? I bootstrapped clockwork for four years and that brought its own challenges, but it also brought its own opportunities. It taught me how to spread a dollar and make a dollar, you know, really, really extend. And raising VC money adds a lot more pressure, but it also adds a lot more credibility where it made going out to market a lot more simple and something for us to build off on.
0: And can you talk to me about your views when it comes to market categories and just category creation in general? Do you think this is always going to be positioned as a disruptor to the legacy and existing FPNA category? Or are you going to try to eventually create a totally new category that replaces this legacy category?
1: No, this is kind of the third generation FPNA. That's kind of how a lot of people are bucketing it, where first generation FPNAs excel. Second generation is all the legacy products like Adaptive Insights, ANAPlan, those larger FPNA platforms. And this third generation is where it makes it a lot more accessible for regular businesses, not companies that can afford us, you know, a six-figure bill every single year just to have this software. And so we're really looking to Reinvent this category, you know, making FPNA not intimidating, making FPNA more accessible, making FPNA easy to understand is really what we're after. We're not trying to add another acronym out there and to say that we're the Uber of blah, 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 blah. We are trying to make FPNA the easiest to understand thing where you don't need to hire someone like I was overpaid, excelled, managing Excel jockey all the time, living in Excel when a software can help you out. And then you can hire people and pay them a ton of money, but to add strategic finance value for growing businesses. And in this journey,
0: is there one specific thing you think you've really just gotten right and how you've been able to grow at the pace you're growing and get that customer trust early on? What would you say you've
1: gotten right? Being genuine. Being genuine with all of our users, all of our prospects, when we get on calls, you know, I love doing sales calls because I get to talk to people and hear their perspective and hear the struggles that they're going with and legitimately help them fix their problems. I ask them, what's keeping you up at night? And they'll tell me. And if it's something that clockwork can solve, I immediately jump for joy and I solve it with them. And so it's really being genuine and always being there with the best interests of my users, of my prospects, of my customers. It's not, let me pump my valuation. Let me just get you in a deal, even though I know this isn't right for you. And in in three months, you're going to churn anyways, but it's going to make my month look good. I hate that. I hate that that entire mentality. We do what's best for our users, what's best for our prospects every step of the way, whether you sign up with us or not. If we can help you, we will help you. And that genuine nature of Clockwork is is really special. Amazing,
0: love that. Now, last question here for you. Let's zoom out into the future. Three years
1: from today, what does Clockwork look like? Clockwork is going to be the workday type platform for every company that makes less than $100 million in revenue. So Clockwork will house all of your financial projections, your payroll, your HR, anything that a company needs that's what Clockwork is going to house for them. So there's going to be, you don't have to run 20 different systems and log into 20 different systems to get answers. Clockwork will be that piece that every company turns to as the first what if answer. You know, if I need to hire someone, what system are you going to log into? Clockwork. If we need to fundraise, it's Clockwork. And Clockwork will become a namesake in the industry where if you're not using Clockwork, you are missing out. Your company has an increased chance of failure if you're not using Clockwork. So I really think that our growth is definitely going to be anchored around the ease of use and the accessibility of the platform. And that's going to allow us to really scale and get, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of users on the platform pretty quickly. Amazing. I love it. Unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time
0: to cover for today. I'd love to keep you on and ask you another list of 50 questions, but (laughs) we have to... uh, have to save some for the next interview with you in a couple of years. So thanks so much for taking the time to
1: speak with us here. Before we wrap up, if people want to follow in with your journey, where should they go? Yeah, really appreciate it, Brett. They can go to our LinkedIn, our YouTube, our Instagram, our Twitter. We're on all the socials. Or email us at hello at clockwork.ai. you want to also do a shout out to your podcast that you have as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I love podcasting. My podcast is The Real Slim Fady Show. You can check it out on wherever you listen to podcasts and you can also check it out on our website, clockwork.ai.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. This has been a blast and can't wait to speak with you again in a few years when you've executed on this vision. Appreciate it. Really appreciate it, Brett. All right, man. Take care.